What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your Tuesday, September 6th episode, and uh, it's been a minute. I did not get to post over the weekend. I took everything with me on a trip we took to uh, down to North Carolina, a place called Lake Lore, if you've ever heard of it. I had never heard of it. My wife's uh, high school friends, uh, one of her friends got married, so we took a trip down there, and there was... Zero service, Wi-Fi, but not much service, no time to do anything, didn't get to really post anything, as you guys know, which is weird for me to take three days off from the podcast. So, you know, coming back, 12-day, sorry, not 12-day, 12-hour trip back um, today, here on Monday as I record this really late tonight, and it was miserable, a lot of rain, and uh, yeah, I'm not trying to woe is me this thing, but I just don't have much the energy to record a full podcast yet, have a outpatient procedure in the morning. So I am going to post a replay of the Monday Twitch Rewind, which I think they did a great job, Mikey, Fred Greetham, and Cody Sook, looking ahead, talking about some of the roster moves, such as the Browns bringing in Joe Haig, the offensive tackle for depth on the O-line, as they let go of Drew Forbes, who was claimed by the Lions, which is pretty interesting. Obviously not Interesting that the Lions would claim him, seeming as John Dorsey is there and he is who drafted him in Cleveland. But it is interesting that the Browns moved on from him. And then they brought in Jesse James as the third tight end. Obviously, they were going to need to bring in a third tight end. And in order to do so, open up a roster spot with Jordan Kunizic getting released, waived from the linebacker group. So that's your 53. We talk all the time about what the 53 looks like from when it's announced to when it's actually game week. And you can see the developments that have happened. They were never going to go into this week with just two tight ends. So they sign Jesse James. Again, third tight end veteran. Shouldn't expect much out of him because there's not really going to be, in my opinion, all too much of a role, especially coming in the way he's coming in late to the operation here, trying to learn everything on the fly. We'll see if he's even a game day active. He probably will be, but it will be a very limited understanding of what the Browns are doing, that's for sure. Uh, Joe Haig, again, uh, it just speaks to where Jack Conklin is, where they're at with Chris Hubbard. I remain a little bit mystified about right tackle going into this week, what they're going to do, who's going to be out there. It will be one of the top priorities for me paying attention to the rest of the week. We should have a good week of shows coming up, some Panthers guests, some look-aheads at what, uh, what to expect, how the Browns beat the Panthers, all that fun stuff. I know that as we sit here right now, the Browns are two-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road, which, again, usually you give the home team three points. So it's a bit of a, a, a toss-up here from the from the people in Vegas. And I think I tend to agree with that, as there's a lot of mystery surrounding both teams to start this season. And we'll cover it all. I'll be here all week, hopefully feeling better tomorrow and tomorrow night to record an episode, a full episode on my own. But uh, thanks for tolerating things. Thanks for not getting too grumpy with me for taking some days off there as I just really didn't have an option to post anything. I'm sorry about that. But we'll be back the rest of the week uh, with myself looking ahead. So enjoy this Monday Rewind. Let's get over to that right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There we go. Looks like we're unmuted now. What's going on, everybody? It's time for the Monday Rewind right here on the OBR we are really excited for this one as there's not much to rewind. Doesn't really doesn't really count as a rewind. Instead, uh, this is kind of the Monday look forward. This is our Monday rewind preview issue. Uh, and we're really excited. We're gonna kind of take things step by step through all the position groups for the Browns. We got a great lineup, we got great guests, as you can see on the screen. Uh, and uh, we're really, really excited to kick this one off. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna just uh just go to Ian for a second. And just want to make sure that we are broadcasting on Twitch because I'm not seeing it, but that might just be a delay. There we go. All right. Now I see it. Now I see it up there. That's cool. As long as we know what we're doing, rarely we're good to go. Uh, but here we go. We have got a great show. Let's bring the guests in. First of all, he's the legend. Uh, you know him from basically everywhere around camp. You see him on here on our OBR Twitch streams multiple times a week. Uh, and we're really excited to have him here on the Monday Rewind. Fred Greetham. Fred, welcome on back. How's it going? It's Good going to see great. you. Yeah, how are happy you? Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, indeed. Happy Labor Day to everybody joining. Again, uh, uh, if you are joining us live, make sure you get into the comments. Uh, I've got them over here. We've got a little, we're trying something new this week. And so the comments aren't going to pop up on the screen this week, but I've got them in front of me here. And so I can look at the comments as we go if you're joining us live either on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook, make sure you jump in the comments, but happy Labor Day to you, Fred, and to everybody watching. Uh, also joining, uh, he's one of our analytics guys. He is awesome. He's got to fix that dang picture in the background, uh, but it's Cody Sook. Cody, what's going on? I'm working on the picture, man. This, this is like a special order thing. My wife got me for Father's Day last year. I think Etsy was involved at some point or Pinterest, so... I'll leave that up to her to go back and to the same the same artist that did the picture and see if we can get something else other than, other than uh, the the new arch nemesis for week one of the Cleveland Browns, if you will. You're gonna have to go back to your go back to your wife and be like, "Honey, I need you to go back on Etsy." Yeah, she's gonna yeah. Be like, uh, all right. Oh, oh, twist my thumb, right? Twist my arm, twist my arm, twist, and we'll, I'll, twist I'll, my thumb. It's twist my thumb now. It I think now. it's twist my arm, but now it's twist my thumb. Officially. Over here. Twisting, that's going to be the theme of this episode, Twisting Thumbs with Cody Sook. <laughs> guys, it's going to be a good time. It's, 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 we're finally here, guys. It, we've made it. The preseason is over. Uh, everything about this godforsaken preseason is over. And it is time uh, to kick things off. And it's, it's hard to believe, right? I mean, we are, we are six days away from the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers. After everything we've been through, it's, it's about time, right? 
Yeah, it, to me, it's funny because I had I, I had no less than four or five people say, what time do the Browns play? What channel they are? Because I can't find the game. It seemed like everybody thought that they would play yesterday. You know, it's I think it's because that fourth week they've turned it into like a bye, you know, that a lot of people were thrown off this year for whatever reason, at least in my circle. I had, no, 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 it's next week. <laughs> yeah, did it always used to be the first – college football NFL like started the same weekend so it was just a big extravaganza of football the whole weekend I kind of like the break after this college football weekend <laughs> yeah ton of ton of incredible up and down late night games but uh yeah I'm, I'm ready to go and it keep forgetting it's Monday so you keep saying like six days away so it's yeah. Monday and we go we Tuesday so here we go we're, we're almost there folks Boys, looks before- like we made it you know to quote Barry Manilow before we get Just into like the first made. before we get into the first conversation here uh people want to see your shirt <laughs> Cody Oh, <laughs> you did that on purpose. Yes. That's from last year. I, th- I think it's his last year's schedule. Shirt. On the back, it's got the schedule. Yeah. yeah. So I got to, you know, I, I know what I'm doing sometimes. 50, 50. Our buddy Eco OBR knows that you are Baker pedaling and he thinks it's hilarious in the comments. <laughs> Agreed. All right, boys. Uh, well, let's get on the clock here. And, and again, what we're going to do, what the agenda is, we're going to go position group by position group. So instead of the Monday rewind, this is kind of the Monday preview, uh, but there's nothing really to rewind to. We could talk about college football, which would be great. But uh, we're going to do a, a Monday fast forward. We're going to preview some of these position groups and and kind of see how you guys are feeling. So uh, we're going to start with the, the the position we talked the most about. Let's get this out of the way right off the bat. But let's talk about the quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and let's start with the guy that we're going to see for, for 11 weeks. Let's talk about the guy that we are going to see now that all is said and done. We saw him in one live game action. Uh, Let's talk about what you, what do you guys, what is the realistic expectation for Jacoby Brissett? And what is, what is like the bare minimum he needs to do to keep the Cleveland Browns competitive? Cody. Yeah, I'm going to quote something that I I wrote a piece on Jacoby this past week about like setting expectations for him for, for the season and holding the, holding things steady for 11 weeks. And I think the expectation for Brissett is, is not to leave crowds breathless or holding their breath. The expectation for being him to just be steady, just be an average performer. You know, the Browns last season and explosive class pace were like 14th in the league, I think. With him in there, I think it's going to be even lower, probably in the low 20s. But that's not what we need to expect from Jacoby. Isn't pushing the ball downfield and making these huge explosive plays. It's to hold it steady, avoid turnover-worthy plays, get the balls and get the ball into your, your, your Chubb, Hunt, DPJ, and Joku, uh, Cooper, all of those guys. Uh, giving them a bit space, let them make some plays, hit the open receivers. Uh, we've seen it from PFF the last over the last season. So fancy had three more open receivers schemed open, the second most in the league. So guys are going to be open. Just stay there, keep your eyes downfield, uh, stay behind your top notch offensive line, and, and keep plays and just be average. That's all they needs to be. And do you see it, Fred? Do you see any reason why that's not a thing that Jacoby Brissett should be? We're not talking about some young guy here. We're not talking about some guy that hasn't been around this league and doesn't have experience. And frankly, he's got experience winning some football games. Is there any reason to think that this guy can't go in there and just kind of play like what Cody said? I, I know he would hate us if we were, he heard us talking about him being a game manager, but that's kind of what the Browns need. Any reason to think he can't do that? Yeah, I think he just plays within himself. And, and I would take what he did – when he stepped in for Andrew Luck, I think it was 2019, 
he ended up, I think, starting 15 games, but he, he finished with 18 touchdowns and four interceptions. I mean, the key is that four interceptions. You look at last year to me, you know, Baker was 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And those there were some big interceptions there that cost him at least a chance to win at least two games. And I just think that Brissett just has to be I'm, – I'm okay with a game manager that just – capitalizes on turnovers and puts points on the board. And I think he's got two things going for him. He's got a kicker now that if you can get, you know, across the 50, you have a chance, you know, with maybe even a first down to get, to get in range for this, this kid to put points on the board. So I think, you know, you know, we can't expect Cade York to be Superman, but I do think he's going to be, uh, much better than last year. And you're going to have confidence that he can make the kicks that need to be kicked. So it, the combination with the, the field goal kicking and not turning the ball over, I think, and then you rely on defense, you know, to take the ball away and to put in position to win games. So I think Jacoby Brissett is what he is, but I think that could be good enough. I think, you know, the Browns yeah. and Kevin Stefanski gets on him to put him in position to control the ball, get the lead, and not play from behind. So, boys, yeah. uh, oh, go ahead, Cody. Yeah, I just wanted to say that something that Fred pointed out was the turnover differential is exponentially important, especially in these first 11 weeks. You can't be turning the ball over at your own 25 and expect to be winning football games or not making these these steady-paced drives with Chubb and Hunt and put points on the scoreboard and expect to win these games. you got to control the football and then do what they want to do on defense – which has been be intelligent, intelligently aggressive on the back end and get some interceptions with Johnson and Delpit and Newsom and, and the whole crew back there. Uh, real quick, let's talk about, I, I mean, the interesting, one of the interesting the Browns di- things the Browns did recently, they picked up Kellen Mond and they put him on the roster. And so now the Browns are sitting there on the 53 with Jacoby Brissett and, uh, and Dobbs and Kellen Mond. Uh, just real quick, what do you guys read into that? Well, I, I just think that, you know, it's obviously the skill set or the size is a is a big makeover, and we can't really get anybody on the record to to say that they made a conscious effort to get six two, six three guys with bigger arms and and mobility and so forth. And that's tech that's what you got with Watson and Mond and um Dobbs and to some extent. Josh Rosen, but I just, I don't understand. I really thought, you know, there would be a move, you know, with a, with a quarterback today, but I think they're locked in with mine. They have to keep him around. So you got four quarterbacks, you know, basically practicing every day. You got five on the roster, you know, you're kind of collecting them. So I, I really haven't figured out what they're trying to do or why they felt so inclined that they had to get Kellen Mond. Yeah, it was a it was an odd move. It just it didn't make any sense coming across. I understand that, like Fred said, he fits right. in the mold of these guys that they're addressing at the quarterback position. Complete opposite of the prior years. These are athletic guys that can make plays, um, get out of the pocket, and things like that. But it's just in the limited action we've seen from him in the preseason the past couple of years, he, he he's not been good. I mean, that fl- flat out, he's he's not played well really very good football. Yep. Um, but, you know, from a third round pick, he's young, relatively inexperienced. Maybe they think they can grow him 
and coach him up and be a future backup, future practice squad type guy. But I would have expected to see moves outside of the quarterback room instead of moves in that room. It was just an odd timing and an odd move, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's skip over to, uh, again, quick quick topics here. I know we could talk about quarterbacks for 30 minutes, but we're going to try to get through everybody. So let's switch over to running backs, the deepest room I think everybody would agree uh, on the Browns roster. And, and, Cody, send it right back to you. What's the best way, in your opinion, from what you've watched of the past couple of years when the Browns have had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, what's the best way they can utilize those two guys? I think you got to blend them. I know everybody wants to say this year, run Nick Chubb into the ground. Well, let's not do that. He's a top five running back in football. You know, get his get him his touches. But you have three, maybe four, capable running backs in in this room. It's the best in football. It's the most it's the most deep in football. You've got three guys that could probably start for the far majority of teams in this league for sure. Two, maybe three, and all three have proven that they could be successful um, turning the rock and and in the passing game. So get them. A total between the three, I don't know, 30, 35 touches is very reasonable. Uh, keep keep Jacoby to 20 to 25 attempts, um, advantageous attempts. But use him in the passing game, too. I think it's a big thing. We talked about this last week. Not just Hunt as well. Keep, get Chubb in the passing game as well. Screens, split him out if you need to. Split Hunt out if you need to. Because with the shape that this wide receiver room is currently, they're going to need some help, I think, on the outside with guys catching the ball. That's not just – um, slants and outs and nine routes and things like that. Get the ball on the screens and the, and the little Texas route time things and uh, and go with that. And Fred, Cody alluded to it, but you know, let's say you've got a healthy Nick Chubb, a healthy Kareem Hunt, but but I talked about the the, the depth of this room, Dearness Johnson and Demetri Felton and, and Jerome Ford. With the question marks that this team has at the wide receiver, how do you think? Can, do you think we'll see a lot of them implementing Johnson, Felton, Ford, even with a healthy Chubb and Hunt? I mean. If you feel like these guys are your playmakers, you got you got to find ways to get them involved, even if your top two guys are healthy, right? Well, that's the challenge. You know, I, I have harped on it for two years using, you know, Hunt and Chubb together. Maybe not necessarily all the time as running backs, but at least being on the field because, you know, a defensive team looks over and if 27 stand on the sideline or 24, that's one less guy to worry about. And when you look at the the playmakers that they have, I just think it's more to for the defense to scheme. So you talk about if you chose to keep Johnson and Felton and and uh, Jerome Ford and have a deep room like that, I hundred percent agree that you can put Hunt in the slot, have Chubb in the backfield, and get them guys the ball coming out of the backfield in different ways. And if they need a blow, you got Dearness Johnson that can go in. So you can keep all those guys fresh. I mean, it was great to have Dearness Johnson when Chubb and Hunt were down, but I don't think you have to just wait for one to get injured to use him. If you're worried about wearing these guys out, then then rotate them all and get them keep them all fresh. But definitely, I would like to see him get Chubb back into the passing game. He's He's such a big threat, and I don't think he was used there at all last year. And Hunt obviously got hurt, but I think we know he's he's a good pass receiver. So if you're going to keep these guys on the roster, not just as trade bait, then use them because it's arguable that their third running back might be more of a threat than their third or fourth wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, look, f- football's all about – playing mismatches and taking advantage of mismatches. If you give me Hunt or Chubb on an outside linebacker in a passing game, I'm going to do that every 
every day of the week. There's no doubt about that. And, and it's all about take advantage of those mismatches to put you guys in the best position to succeed, which we've seen Stefanski do for the past few seasons in a row. Uh, and, and they'll make some plays. And like you said, Fred, if Dernest at right now is a far more valuable player on the football field than Anthony Swartz is. Nothing against Swartz. That's just speaking right. the fact that I'd rather have him out there making plays than Swartz out there until he gets comfortable and gets his confidence back and gets comfortable in his skin to make plays on this football field. Yeah, it's yeah, it, that 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 to me is fascinating. We've spent so much time talking about the concerns that we have about the wide receiver room, uh, but it's it's uh, it's it's the depth of this running back room that I feel like can we can that overcome the concerns we have at the wide receiver room and that and and will you use these guys? Will you see three of these guys out on the field at the same time sometimes? And and I think you might. And so uh, it's that's really interesting. Speaking of the receivers, uh, let's move on to that wide receiver. We're gonna keep, we're gonna lump wide receivers and tight ends together. So Fred, here's what I want to do first. We spent a lot of time talking about Anthony Schwartz and the rookies and the young kids and is DPJ developing enough. One thing that I don't think we've all spent enough time, in my opinion, on is. Amari Cooper as your number one wide receiver. Fred, you've watched him all through camp. Uh, we've all watched him in the league. We watched him in Alabama. We've watched what this guy can do. Uh, Amari Cooper is a special wide receiver. What have you seen in camp? Very smooth. I mean, he kind of goes a little unnoticed and taken for granted because he's been productive, but he is a very quiet guy. He doesn't demand attention, you know, like some of the, rec- typically I-, I joke with some of the reporters. I said, you know, there's no diva in this room. You know, there's always seems like your wide receivers, a diva, you know, almost they have that attitude and he doesn't, he's very, he's more like a Nick Chubb reserved and quiet and so forth. So I'm interested to see how he does, but I think he's going to be fine. The, The biggest thing, that's why it's so important for people's Jones or somebody like Swartz or bell to take some pressure off him because they're going to double team him and teams are going to say, we're going to take him away and make some of these other guys that haven't shown anything much do something. And so I just think Cooper's could be Jacoby Brissett's best friend because he does run routes. Well, they have a good chemistry and if he can just get, get himself open and make the easy throw for Brissett, you know, that will make his his job a lot easier. He's got really good hands and he runs really good routes. So I think, you know, that's what I'm interested in seeing. But I, it is on some of these other guys to step up and take some pressure off of him so he can get maybe single coverage here and there and, and take advantage of that. Yeah, and what, what can, like, for a guy like Amari Cooper, because I, I don't think, you know, everything we know, we know that Jarvis Landry was a smooth player. He was a good, he was a good teammate. He was a good athlete. But one of the things that we've talked about uh, with past receivers, specifically OBJ, who was supposed to be the number one was maybe he wasn't really the greatest route runner. He kind of would go off on his own. What does a guy like Amari Cooper, Cody bring to this team? What, what's the difference you can expect as a fan to watch when you've got a guy that is so precise, like he is. Yeah. The first two words that come to mind when I think of Cooper are, are route running and his consistency. Uh, route running, he gets arguably top three, four, five in the league. And he, those to him and a guy like OBJ, you know exactly where he's going to be. If it's a 12 back to a 10, he's going to be at the 10, at where he needs to be at the time he needs to be, and the ball could be there at the right spot. And with consistency, you could talk about his production over the past three, three of the last four seasons. He's eclipsed 1,000 yards. 
better than 1.75 yards per route run and better than a 75 receiving grade at each of the three, sorry, three of the last four seasons. So he's a consistent producer. He may not be as explosive as a Tyree kill or Devontae Adams, but that's not his role in this offense. His role is to be dependable. When the ball is thrown your way, you make the catch, you make a play, maybe get a little bit of yak, and that's how it's going to be. Like, And Fred said the best thing, too. When in doubt, throw him the ball if you're percent. He's a guy that's been there. He's done it many times before. He's the only guy on this roster that has more than 51 career, career receptions. So it's him and a whole lot of unknown after that. So if you're in doubt, give him the ball. He's a dependable guy, and he's, he's, he's very uh, – I don't know what the right word is. He's got that quiet confidence to him, kind of like Nick Chubb. Like he, he, They know they're good, but they don't have to say that they're good for people to believe it type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Uh, real quick before we change to the next topic, uh, I, I was going to lump tight ends tight ends in with this, but either one of you guys take this. You've got Harrison Bryant. You've got David Njoku. Those are the guys you're going to really see out there for the most part for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on running out with those two guys? And what does it say that they didn't maybe necessarily bring in another tight end uh, that, or, or they did, they brought in uh, uh, was Jesse, Jesse James. James, Jesse James, but your two guys that you're going to re- rely most on are Njoku and Harrison Bryant. What do you think that says about the philosophy that Kevin Stepanski and the offensive system is running in here with? Well, first off, I talked, we talked to David Njoku and I almost came out with no shirt on. And I don't know if you saw <laughs> interview today, he spends most of his time on the field with his shirt off. And uh, he came to the interview Same. with no shirt on. And, uh, you know, I started my video and then the rest, I, I stayed high. But, yeah, he's got impressive physique. But he smiled when asked, you know, about being used this year. I've seen all throughout training camp. I really think they're going to get him the ball with with tight end screens and short passes I think really we talked about being Brissett's best friend I think him and Bryant can be because I think they can be the underneath guys and get them the ball and let them make some plays in fact we have the questions with the wide receivers you know at three and four these guys could be an extension of the wide receivers by having them both out there I like the move of Jesse James I think he's mostly going to be a blocker uh, had a little video of him today. He was out there practicing. And if he can fill a role, a blocking tight end, you know, and give those other guys a, a breather, you know, that will that will only bode well for it. But I think Njoku's poised for a big year. I mean, we've been saying this. I can't believe he's in his sixth year, and I think he's 25 years old. You know, um, I think he's maturing. My biggest question is, is he is he going to be able to stay healthy and catch the easy balls? We all know he's been great on really spectacular catches, but he has a tendency to not concentrate, you know, on the easy one. He spends a lot of time with the jugs after practice perfecting the one-hand catch. I don't know if that's for show or what, but um, I, I think he's going to have – numbers similar to what that one year he had I think it was his second or third year when he had like 60 catches and I think he has a chance especially with two tight ends really to have a big year especially with Brissett I think he could really be his security blanket 
As I muted myself. Uh, all right, guys, let's move on. We've talked a little bit about uh, tight ends, wide receivers. Uh, let's move on over to uh, another position that it's been interesting to watch over the last week, especially when we're going to try to catch up on this position here. Uh, but the offensive line, uh, your offensive line here uh, for the Browns, we've already got uh, Jack Conklin's health is a concern. Um, uh, we, are we concerned about the center position at this point? Uh, you know, you've got, uh, we're all expecting Jedrick Wills to make a leap. You know, you've got the solid guards, uh, but there's a couple question marks everywhere else on the line. Cody, how are you feeling just in general about the offensive line coming into this? I wouldn't say that I'm worried at all because like you said, you still have Petonia, you still have Teller and you still have Jedrick Wills on the left tackle side. And with Wills, I think we've talked about this before. He has all of the, the physical attributes and the tools that needed to be an upper tier left tackle. It's up to him. Is, is he willing to to, t- to take the coaching, to, to dedicate himself to the game, to put himself in that tier? It's all there. He just has to work hard to do it and get to that point. Uh, the guards, we know Batonio, we know Teller. They're both at the up, in the upper echelon of their position. So the question mark becomes just how you said, at right tackle and at center. Right tackle, Conklin, I believe, Fred, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Stefanski said, as long as he's stacking up days, one of Stefanski's favorite quotes, I think he uses that all the time. That's right. As long as he's stacking up days, he's going to play, or I think start on Sunday. So that would be, the thing that worries me with him is that we saw him come back healthy last year, play well, got hit or hit hurt immediately after that. Granted, a completely different injury, injury and all that, but I don't want him to come back too soon and have to go right back to the bench again. I don't want that to happen. But if if he's cleared by the medical team and he's ready to go, he's a guy that finishes near top 10 at the position and pass block win rate every single year. He's, he's steady presence at that right side. And having yeah. that offensive line will only benefit Brissett, only benefit the running game, the receivers, everything. At center, you know, I, I think, Fred, I think it's it's Ethan's job, right? Is he the guy's going to step in and start at center as of right now? Yes, post six the center. Yeah, so this, again, experienced, not the best guy you're ever going to have at center. I, I was really hoping for Nick Harris. I felt like this was his year. I feel terrible for what happens to him. He was going to step in that position and maybe take over as a starting center from this point forward. But is there a uh, thing to be said? Is there a thing to be said, Cody? We've seen it in Cleveland, different regimes, but we've seen it in Cleveland kind of throughout a lot of regimes that that center position, while it's there's no position that isn't important, there are – the, it, it has felt like in Cleveland, they don't feel like, and it's felt like this for a while, and it feels like kind of analytically driven. It doesn't feel like you feel the need to have like a Pro Bowl caliber player at your center position. You need a guy that's reliable. So can right. can Ethan, can, can he be that guy? Yeah, I think it's about building the outside in when it comes to the line. You need your tackles protecting your blind side, your front side, you need your guards in the middle, and then your center. Just be reliable, just be average, and you'll be perfectly fine. All right, Fred, I think any- he's got a, yeah. Go ahead. I think he's got to call the plays. And so that's, you know, Treader did that for so long so well. But I think, you know, there was some good news today. A lot of us were concerned with Joe Haig when they signed him. He's a veteran tackle that either Chris Hubbard or Jack Conklin were going to go to an injured short-term injury reserve because, first of all, Hubbard hadn't been Coach for two weeks has said he's resting when he's over on the side with the trainer as well as with Jadavian Clowney. And Conklin has kind of been alternating one day's in, one day's out. Right. And today both of them were back to practice. And they didn't put either of them on injury reserve. They they cut two other guys, you know, that were on the roster. 
I think Conklin's such a key because we all saw what happened, the domino effect at right tackle when you were throwing Blake Hans out there. He's not even with the team. They didn't even think he was good enough to keep around, and he started at right tackle last year. So Conklin can domino across, and Stefanski did not say that um, he said that Conklin has a chance to play if he stacks practices together this week. I mean, Mr. Sandbag is Stefanski all the way. I would expect Conklin to play this week, especially if he practices Wednesday. But that's what he kind of, I got the idea that Wednesday's going to answer the question or not. But then again, he might say, well, we got to wait till, well, we got, and then we don't talk to him and then you don't know. So he does that all the time. But um, I think it's a good good news that they didn't move either to IR, meaning that, okay, they're not concerned that it's an injury. So Haig just tells me that they wanted more depth there if one goes down. So they don't get into the trouble they did last year where they're throwing guards out there. It also tells me that they don't think Hudson is still ready to step in. So, but I think that they have a chance. Those that's good news with those two guys. And, and, uh, that, that they were both out on the field today. We did not catch up on time there. It's fine. It's fine. We'll figure this out. We will catch up. I can't see the clock in front of me, so I'm doing my best. I can't uh, talk much faster, man. I know. We'll it's fine. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all my fault. If we run like a couple minutes late, you'll have to forgive us today. But I want to get through this stuff. Let's move over to the other side of the ball, the defense and the defensive line. Again, I want to start with something, and I only want to take like a minute on this, but I want to start with something. We've all talked ad nauseum about backups on the edge and about the interior defensive line. And yet, again, part of this is about giving us a little hope going into the season. And the two things, two of the biggest reasons for hope for the Cleveland Browns are named Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Cody, we've talked ad nauseum about this interior defensive line. We've talked ad nauseum about these guys that are backing up Miles and Jadavion. But what do Miles and Jadavion do for those other guys? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier this morning, you know, as I'm coming out of my Labor Labor Day slumber. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm drinking Sprite currently, by the way, if nobody else noticed that. But Same. Same. Yeah, yeah, that's that's your local Sprite that you Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh But yeah, the uh, I was thinking this morning about the worry starts to set in, I think, for a lot of fans. When 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 you see in preseason, preseason you don't see each unit as a to- as a whole on the field. Like you didn't we didn't see Garrett Clowney, Newsom, Ward, Johnson, Delpit. Uh, and um, Greedy and any of those guys on the field at the same time. Same with the offense. So you get worried, well, what if they're not as good as we expect them to be? But I don't think that's thing to be worried about right now, and especially when it comes to those two guys. We know who Miles Garrett is. He's top five every year, pass rush grade, pass rush productivity, pass rush win rate. He's always there as long as he's healthy. And then Clowney, I think Clowney uh, had probably his best season, if not one of his best seasons right. last year playing opposite him because think about if you're an offensive coordinator, like what, how the hell are we going to block both these guys? You can't double team one of them. You can't double team both of them. So one of them's going to make a play. And to your point of helping everybody else out, keeping as a defensive coordinator, you don't want ever an opposing quarterback to be comfortable. That's what those two guys do. If they're not just pressuring the quarterback, they're converting pressures into sacks. They're hitting this guy and they're making him try to keep these guys in the pocket. Like your Lamar Jackson's, or even Baker Mayfield, who was way better out of the pocket than he is in the pocket. Right. Um, that's if they help helps coverage. You're getting in there in under two and a half seconds. They have to get rid of the ball. 
But if they're, you know, it, it helps everything for, to have the pair of the tandem of edges that the Browns have in both of those guys. So, Fred, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, help and everything, but on the other side of things, let's talk about that interior line for a minute. What's what's the biggest thing that you think the interior line is capable of at this point of helping this team? Because I think a lot of people have question marks. So far, it it, it hasn't looked good in the run game for sure. I mean, they've been, been getting kind of blown off the ball a bit. Uh, um, and I don't know that you've got the guys that are going to get crazy pressure on the quarterback. So what do you think these guys – is there anybody that you think is capable of surprising us and, and being a playmaker on this interior line? Well, I mean, it, I really can only go by what I've seen. I haven't seen much out of Jordan Elliott in his first two years and the coaches have raved about him. The players have raved about him. And I saw maybe just a hint in the one game where he broke through. He needs to step up. I mean, they have not, shown much of a priority as you mentioned in the defensive line I mean they moved on from the two Maliks but really just brought back the same guys they did draft Winfrey in the fourth round but that's where you got Elliott in the third round you got Togia in the fourth round so you kind of just plugged in another guy that you don't expect to get a lot from is my opinion so they're relying on Elliott and Taven Bryan, who's been a nondescript former first-round pick. I don't – none of the claims I thought they would claim or trade for an interior guy or sign one of those guys that are out there. They just don't seem to be interested, just like they don't seem to be interested in the, the wide receivers. So they're going to they're gonna have to do with what they have. But I'm – I, I – I think Elliot would be the guy. If he plays really well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna call that a win because right now I think there's big question marks on the interior and they don't yeah. have much depth there. So then you got the guys, Cody, to switch to the next group. You've got the guys that are, and I know we're running a little ahead of the clock on this one, but I'm just trying to catch us back up on the time. Uh you've got the guys that are gonna have to deal with if the interior defensive line is mm, struggles you're gonna have the guys that have to deal with that and that's that linebacker group so again let's start with the positive let's start with the guy that fell right in their laps last year and i think all of our mouths just hung open for like a full day when jeremiah usukoromo fell directly into their lap nobody saw it coming i couldn't everybody talked that was going to be their first round pick and he was their second round pick how special can that dude be i mean if you haven't watched that clip of the OBR draft show of the Browns selecting JOK, everybody jumping up and down and screaming a hundred times. I don't know what you're doing here, but no, what I are we think, even doing here? What are we even doing here? You know, I spent half my day every day at nighttime, just watching that clip. <laughs> yeah. over again. I don't go to sleep unless I watch that clip. <laughs> That's right. I just get my day started and in my day the same way watching JOK clips. That's like my but, reaction when they drafted Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, there too, man. Uh, sorry. I was there. Hey, he's got a Netflix documentary, right? So that's gonna be pretty cool oh, to watch. God. All right, never All right. mind. Back to JOK. Anyway, not off the tangents. Yeah. Uh back to JOK. Uh, I mean, the guy is he's gonna be that jack of all trades, athletic, fast linebacker they want him to be. And like you said, he fell into their laps in that second round last year and immediately paid off dividends. He 34 defensive stops. Uh, played well in coverage, but one thing I'd love to see him is when he gets up to the in the in, really up those close to the defensive line and goes after the quarterback. He had ten quarterback pressures last year, 
three sacks, six hurries, yeah. three sacks, six hurries. Yeah. I, I love everything he does on that defense. I think he's part of those four or five cornerstone players that they have there. And he's going to be there a long time. And his name's going to be mentioned in the same breath as a lot of those upper echelon linebackers in the game. That's my opinion. Not to talk about too much, but I think he has everything you want in a modern day linebacker. You know, gone are the days of, of just being a, a heavy hitter and stopping the run. You have to play in coverage now. You have yeah. to get after the quarterback. You have to cover sideline to sideline, as much as the NFL passes now. And he's the guy that can do that. And the other guys, you know, Walker, I think that's the tandem. I, I think that's you start the season with Walker and JOK, is my opinion. Uh, Phillips, we all have high hopes. We've had high hopes for Phillips. Yep. We'll see how that shakes out. But I think you go with those two guys and it becomes maybe the not the strength of the defense, but well, a, a better part of the defense. I like how you asked that. First of all, I want to go to this comment from Fumble, uh, Fumble 13. I need a life. I rewatched the OBR 2021 draft day two and three this morning. The excitement Jake had was off the charts. I love that <laughs> comment. Fred, uh, to what Cody said right there, I do want to touch on that real quick. This linebacking unit, when I look at it and see a JOK and Phillips and I see uh, Walker and I see Taki Taki, is this is this more of a strength of this defense than maybe anybody's given it credit for? Yeah, I think so for what they want to do. I mean, I think when they drafted Jacob Phillips to begin with in the third round, they really had visions of him being a forerunner of the JOK. I think those are the two linebackers on this roster that they really want to go with because of the athleticism. Now, Phillips has had health problems. He's been injured both years, majority of the year. But I think I think Anthony Walker's that steady veteran, and I think you're going to see Phillips out there first. And they're hoping that in the two linebacker set that it's JOK and Phillips, and they can use their athleticism sideline to sideline and Walker can come in and spell them and be a steady presence as well. I like Taki Taki in running positions, and I do like that that linebacker room. But I think he's – Joe Woods said when he got here, he one day wants to play two linebackers, and I think that's this day. I think if he can keep JOK and Phillips on the field and then spell one of them with Walker, that's what they want to do. And that way you can be – more athletic. I remember last year, JOK went after Lamar Jackson, turned out to be the last play Jackson played last season. He tripped him up and he sprained his ankle and so forth. I would turn that kid loose because I think as a rookie, he was hesitant a little, but as the season went on and he got comfortable, he has it all absorbed now. You need to turn him loose now and just wreak havoc on the quarterback and, and not just rely on Clowney and Garrett, you know, send, send guys from corner, from linebacker, and That's put right. the pressure starting this week on the quarterback. Send them. Uh, real quick, one last question on the linebackers. I'll give it to you, Cody, from OG Philly in the comments. The, uh, he says the elephant in the room is that Jacob Phillips didn't look good in the preseason. How much, how much, how much stock do you put into that? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I just, I have hopes for the guy to, to to take that second linebacker spot with JOK, but like I said, I'm more I'm more leaning towards Walker stepping in and being the starter. He he was his steady presence last year, not great, not bad, just good enough to be in there and, and do a nice job. But I'm hoping Phillips can step up and be that guy. But I, the jury's out. Yeah, and we'll see. Yeah. All right, on to the defensive backs. 
Uh, and the, guys, this room is loaded. It's loaded. It's loaded. Fred, is this, I mean, uh, the potential's all there, right? This could be one of the best defensive backfields in the entire NFL. Yeah, it, obviously you always worry about injuries with their slider guys. And you saw hamstring kept out, knew some most of training camp and Ward with the foot. You do have the depth there. Green came back after having a hip injury. I think goes back to that, what I was saying earlier, is that if you have guys like Ward and Newsom and Green and and Martin Emerson and Greedy Williams, and you have trust that they can handle their guy one-on-one, then you can turn those other guys loose because you have one, one-on-one matchups out there. Yes. And and I've seen them being being able to cover their guys. And if you can get some pressure on on the quarterback, I think it, it could really spell success. I like that they have depth. I like what I've seen of this Emerson kid. He's aggressive. He goes after the, the receivers. He doesn't back down. And he really could end up being as high as the third guy this year behind Newsom and Ward. And, and that bodes well when you have depth. You know, that when you have guys injured, as they always do, you're not throwing Robert Jackson or a guy off special teams <laughs> to cover. You we know, love you, Claypool Robert Jackson. We love you, Robert. You know, and so, you know, that's 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 there. And I think, yeah, I think it's a deep room, but it's like pitching. You, you never have enough because you think you have enough and then one or two pull a hamstring and, you know, you're down to your fifth, sixth, seventh guy. So, Cody, like to what Fred said, uh, you know, because I, I kind of one of my questions is Greedy Williams got to pan out. If he's, if he's going to pan out, he's got to start to pan out. If he's going to do it, he's got to start to do it. And so one of the questions was, how important is that for this Browns defense? Having said that, if if Martin Emerson, MJ Emerson, MJ's a good thing for this Browns defense. We've seen it in the past. Uh, if MJ Emerson pans out, does that fix that situation? I mean, he was impressive in the preseason. I mean, I know it's preseason. You're playing watered-down defense, the watered-down offenses and all of that, but all you can ask of your players is to go out and play to the best of their ability and be and be successful in the positions they're put in. And that's exactly what Emerson did in, in the uh, in the preseason. He's got that dog in him, right? That's, yes. what, that's what it looks like. He's, he's, he looks like he's going to be a player on the outside, and that's, that's something to say for a guy <laughs> that was drafted in the third round. It's saying a lot. And, and a greedy – it's time to put up or shut up now. Like we've seen those flashes every, every game or every other game. You see that he just looks awesome in coverage starts making plays, but he gets hurt or, or, he, or he blows the coverage. And I still have hopes for him to start on the outside this year. I think he's going to start on the outside Newsom in, in the nickel and, and then Denzel on the other side. But if Emerson can step up and just be, a, if he's above average in a third round guy, yes. all of a sudden you do have one of, if not the best defensive backs, groups of secondary in, in the league. And I, I do have hopes for him to step in there this season as well at some point, if need be, but I think they're going to rotate him in regardless. Yeah. Even if Greedy's playing well and starting Memerson's going to get some snaps just to get his feet right on the field a little bit. One of the big, biggest questions before we move on to the next position group, one of the biggest questions about this defensive backfield, and I'll let either one of you or both of you answer this is the safeties all seem to fit a similar mold, right? Guys that are pretty good in the box, guys that can come up and make plays, sort of closer to the line of scrimmage, but the concern has been which of these safeties is a better kind of center fielder, which is safety is going to be able to get back and play better on the deep ball. So specifically when we're talking about Delpit and Harrison and uh, John Johnson, 
which of those guys do you guys think has a chance to be that guy that that is the safety that the Browns need back there? Well, I, I'm just saying, I think Johnson, you know, has a better feel because he's played longer, can see ball, get ball, and kind of see the whole field from back there. Um, I think Delpit has the athleticism as well. So I think either one of them can develop and and handle that role. But like you said, I think Bell seems to make his presence more as a, a hitter, you know, and yeah. And Harrison seems more like that. And so, yeah, you would like to see more of the center fielder. I would just say, I think Johnson can handle both roles. Um, Delpit, you know, you, you hope this is the year after finally getting the experience last year that he's ready to kind of like JOK also have a breakthrough year where he's comfortable enough. We all know playing sports when you're not comfortable, you don't play well, you play well, when you don't have to think anymore and you can just go out and let it go. And and so that's why I think Delpa can really have a big year. All right. So on to the next group, which is the special teams. And this is kind of fun because you don't often get it with a team. You get two new legs this year. You they got no legs. legs. What'd you say? Got... Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. <laughs> you got new legs, new candidates. Uh, that's a great by the way, great fantasy team name, or like if you play like an intramural sport, intramural sport, uh, Lieutenant Dan's new legs. It's a great team name. Uh, so let's talk about the new legs. You've got you've got a new punter in Bajorquez, uh, who has looked really solid so far. Uh, but one thing I do have a question, and Fred, uh, you've been around camp a lot. One of the questions about him, they rely on their punter to be their holder. Uh, and that was a question for him coming out of Green Bay was he wasn't very good at that. He wasn't a great holder. Have you noticed any issues in camp or has he looked fine? Well, I haven't had any, I haven't seen any issues. That's one of the things he held, you know, and Charlton was there. They didn't give him as many. So that told me, you know, but Jork was, was who they were counting on to be the, you know, they were going to be the punter win that job. I was, obviously they gave him more money, but no, I think that you also have your backup quarterback has taken some snaps there, but they want that because during practice, you can just have those guys, they're off to themselves. So you can just work with the snapper and him doing it. And I didn't see any issues. Like I said, I saw York in team practice. I think he made 35 out of 38 and he only missed. They were all the last kick, all 50 to 58 yards. And, and one, he hit the goal post. One, he, you know, it was – so it sure didn't look like the hold was a problem, and it hadn't in the preseason as well. So I think they'll be fine there. Nice. Cody, talk about Cade York, right? You draft this kid. The Browns had no problem just throwing this kid to the Wolves, right? Like, hey, it, we know it's preseason, but we want you to get out there and kick this 58-yarder. We want you to get – I mean, how many – that kid went out and kicked some kicks in preseason – that you, I haven't seen a Browns kicker kick maybe ever, ever have I seen the Browns trot a dude out for a 60 yarder. They usually just send the punt unit out and, and go. Is that, did you find that to be like a good idea to send him out for those ones? Knowing that, I mean, just regardless of who's out there, a 60 yarder is going to be tough. Do you feel like that's a confidence thing or is it just like a, Hey kid, go figure this thing out and, and know that you can drill the forties and we have the utmost confidence in you. You're muted. 
You don't have to yell. Stop muting. <laughs> no, I think it's both. The, the dude's been unfaced <laughs> completely. In all of his quotes, you see, it's like, man, this is the difference in college football. You know, I'm just out there kicking the ball, and I'm doing just fine. But those kicks, I mean, even the ones he's missed, like he hit the upright, or it's good from 68 yards if he was just a, a hash mark, not a hash mark, but a little bit further to the left. Uh, I think he has – He's going to be special. And I think he's not, I'm not going to say he's going to be Phil Dawson type legendary, but whoa, whoa, not even close to that yet. Obviously, he has kicked the, kicked the kick yet in the regular season. But <laughs> when you look at what he did in college, it's, it's, it's hard to disagree that he's going to be a very good guy. He was 14 of 18 for 50 yards or, or, or better at LSU last season. So, yeah. and not last season overall. But uh, yeah. yeah, he's unfazed. He, he just goes in there sets up and just launches the hell out of the ball every time. And it's, and it's pretty accurate. I don't care how far you can kick it, kick it accurately. That's what we need. And the Browns haven't had that guy. And I feel like every season we're just, you, you, you get the get field goal range. They're at the 32. It's like, well, we can't kick it. He's not going to make it. So we have to go for it. Probably go for it a lot as it is, which is the right call regardless. But um, it's nice to have some confidence in a kicker finally Hopefully he's the guy for a long term and they're not turning this position over every year, hoping to find a diamond in the rough. And then a guy suddenly goes to another team and all of a sudden starts making kicks. We've seen that happen too. Well, I think that the big thing is, is Phil Dawson. I was around at the beginning and his always line to me was, you know, when he made the team, they had three kickers and Chris Palmer said, Hey, we're going to go with you this week. At least that's, that's how he made the team. He got a one week and he wasn't always, the greatest but he as he matured became one of the best ever and that's the thing about york is i'm the only concern i have is between the ears is because if you get the yips they lose it you know you can see but he doesn't seem to have that demeanor and i think they threw him out there on the 58 just to say hey we have confidence and he wasn't really worried about it i saw him hit the top of the upright in a practice which was a 55 yarder, it would have been good from 70. I saw him make a 70 yarder before the game. So I think that he will get better and it just gives the team confidence that, like I said earlier, if Brissett, if you can just get it over midfield to the 40, you have a chance to kick a field goal from 57, 58 yards. And he has the leg to do it. And you think about that when you watch the Ravens, when you go to an overtime, the Browns have had a couple games close like that, and you go, oh, my gosh, if the Ravens get the ball, they get one first down and they kick a field goal. You know, that's how it was with Tucker. So that's last year, at least two games I attribute to the kicking game, missing field yes. goals, not at the end of the game, but key points in the game that they lost by two points here and there. So I think that bodes well and the, not turning the ball over from the quarterback. I think that's their recipe for success. Listen, if, if you're I plus, like, oh. plus 1.5 or two games from the kicker, which it was last year, you're in the playoffs. It's right. Just right, yeah. there. right. It's right there. Yeah. I like what look uh, at LSU. I was saying last night, I said, uh, Cade York's not walking in their door as they're, they're going, Oh my gosh, we're missing ooh, Cade York. The guy ooh. had, you know, had an extra, I think, two extra points blocked. Uh, one comment I loved from Fumble 13. The capabilities from 65 is great. And that is great. It is nice to have that. 
but we need somebody that's just drilling 40 some yarders every time. Mm-hmm. And that's what Cade York, I think, can do. And that's what they're counting on him for. So it'll be, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to watch. Real quick, guys, just give me a name. One name, don't have to go into a big explanation because I don't want to run too far over on time. But Cody, one name, who's the primary return guy for the Browns now? Oh, God. <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, Thank you. I came up with it myself. Hmm. I don't. I put. If I'm the guy, I'm putting Dearness Johnson back there. That's who I would throw back there. Felton, I think Felton could do it, but last year he's too hesitant. Hey, what's up, buddy? He's a little, he, he was a little too hesitant, a little too dancy back there for me. I want you to get the ball and, and run as fast as you can and get it behind your blockers. But um, if it's me, I'd probably go Dearness or Ford. I, I don't even know who they're going to put back there. I have no idea. I don't have a lot of confidence in anybody with Grant out of there right now, being the return guy. Fred, just give me a name. Who's the, who's the best return man there? I would agree. Johnson on kicks and Felton on punts. Kind of a committee. All right. Committee return. All right, guys. Uh, He'll so put Jake the, back there. He'll do it. The, ooh, that's the <laughs> that's the player position. Let's talk real quick about a coaching position. Uh, because I, I want to know, like, Fred, g- give me your faith in, in Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski to put a system in place that will allow this system to work with Jacoby Brissett, with the question marks, at the wide receiver position with the depth at the running back position. What's your faith that those guys are going to put a position to uh, put this team in a position to succeed or at least be competitive until their starting quarterback gets back in week 12. I think the hot seat or not for getting fired, but the spotlight is on those guys led by Stefanski. You know, what have we all been saying? The strength is Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, the running game, and yet last year, it seemed like they continually tried to throw the ball all the time with Mayfield and not, we always talk about, they got a great running game. Let's pound the ball. Let's pound the ball, control the clock. And they didn't seem to, they put up numbers, but they didn't seem to, you know, stay with that and relied, you know, on the quarterback more than they needed to. So I think they need to play within Brissett's strengths, get, have him successful and do things that he can do successfully and control the clock with that running game and and then hit the tight ends and spring in your wide receivers. So I do think it's on the the offense. That's why I wrote that story about Joshua Dobbs. I think you got to pull out all stops and think outside the box to find ways each week to win games and not just say, oh, three and outs not working with Brissett, three and out not working, just keep doing the same thing. Mix things up on the fly and and make a change. That I've seen them being a little too slow to make changes, you know, in the games, even last year. You know, so I look at it like baseball. You got a starting pitcher, you know, if you he's not doing it, you put in the reliever. It doesn't mean the next time he's up, he's going to not start. No, you go right back to him. But that's what the relief guy's for. If one guy's not doing it, jumpstart it. And you can always go right back to him. And especially, you know, nobody's going to say Jacoby Brissett's a franchise quarterback. So I don't think he's untouchable. If he's not doing the job, find a way to jumpstart the offense. Yes. Uh, Cody, uh, let's go back to the last topic that we were on because we we love talking about the legs. We talk, we love talking about the kickers and the returners and all that stuff. And, and I'll say, like, 
obviously the the Cleveland Browns like the leadership capabilities of Mike Prefer, right? He's the guy they they put in charge when Kevin Stepanski had COVID and he couldn't coach the playoff game. And they put Mike Prefer as the head coach. I think that happens for multiple reasons. Uh, I think you want your offensive and defensive coaches to continue to coach offense and defense. Uh, and I think that's why your special teams coach gets put in there. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. But uh, uh, special teams under the Browns haven't been great under Mike Prefer. The return games haven't, and we haven't noticed like noticeable improvements by anybody, uh, whether it's the return or the kicks or the punts or the coverages or anything like that. So is Mike Prefer a guy that you could see being a little bit on the hot seat with this coaching staff? I think of all the coaches, his seat's probably the hottest, in my opinion. And it's something with special teams is just, you can't be disorganized. You know, you do it in practice. Hey, uh, number 18's down. Who's his backup? Go in there now. And you do this rotation and practice. It's common sense and how it always works. You have to be prepared in every situation to be organized, have the, the, every player stay in your lane on kickoff coverage, stay in your lane on punt coverage, know your what your role is on every single scenario. And it doesn't seem to be that way. I don't know if that falls on him or if they haven't found the right guys for the right spots. But right now, that is the glaring weakness of this team outside of maybe – interior defensive line but from a coaching perspective the glaring weakness right now is special teams uh punt coverage kick coverage all of that but uh, field goals are fine but other than that just be prepared and be organized get the right players in the right game at the right time and have them to know what the heck they're doing on the field and right now in the preseason i know it's preseason i know you're working with some different guys but that that was just an absolute mess is all we saw in preseason yeah. All right, boys, one last topic before we get out of here. Uh, and, and let's just do a little quick season preview. So let's let's first start by saying, and Fred, I'll start with you, and then, Cody, you can take it right after. Let's say the Browns are in the hunt, right? They put the graphics up on TV, in the hunt. They're in the hunt. Uh, with Jacoby Brissett through the first 11 games. And, and they're a team that that is pushing for a playoff spot. How confident are you when Deshaun Watson comes back that he can help them make the leap uh, to, to, to do that even this year? Yeah, I think realistically, you can't expect him to just, you know, walk out of the tunnel and go six and oh, if he plays the final six games. So I I think the very worst they can do is five and six through 11. And then that Ooh. puts him in a position, you know, I think realistically to maybe be four and two and that gets you nine wins, a winning year. But I don't know if it gets you into the playoffs. I think you got to win the AFC North and that's your your most surest way to get to the playoffs. So if ideally if Brissett can do better than that and lead them to six and five, or who knows if they could be seven and four, then you could maybe ease the transition and stay with Brissett in that 12th game, you know, for, you know, see how it goes and not just like, boom, automatically start. But if it gets to that point, where they're struggling and so forth, you know, they're going to go right to Watson. But as far as I think they have, I think they really have to at least get five games won. And that's why the first four so much emphasis to me is get as many on the board as you can early and maybe you'll get some momentum and then you'll steal a game maybe that you shouldn't have won. And however you can get to six wins, you know, would be, you know, the best, the best situation, in my opinion. I love that. First of all, uh, if you're not fired up by that, Fred Greetham saying the worst case scenario for 11 <laughs> games is five and six. 
<laughs> That's the worst case scenario. What? I love, I hope you're right, Fred. I hope you are. I'm saying to stay in right. the playoff hunt. Oh, it's just to stay in the hunt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard yeah, you say yeah, that. Yeah. I got fired up. I was like, let's go. No, I'm, I'm not ready. saying they're going to be at least five and six. <laughs> I'm saying that's minimum they have to do. And no, that's but, what I picked in our round table. Yeah. That Brissett would have them five and six when he turns it over. Yeah, and and listen, it's it's my favorite part about doing season previews. It's my favorite part about roundtables and 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 discussing the schedule. And we on the garage beers, we played the schedule game and all that stuff. I love picking games that everybody picks them to lose for them to win, and games for everybody that picks them to win to lose. Right? Like, there's no reason to think that they're absolutely going to beat the Jets, but there's also no reason to think they can't beat the Buccaneers. You know what I mean? Like, it just there are going to be games that you think they're going to lose that they're going to win. And there's going to be the reverse. And I love that about it. Uh, guys, uh, let's do real quick NFL or first of all, let's do AFC North. Uh, how do you see, how do you see Cody when you, now, you know, everything's calmed down when you know what the injuries have been through preseason, you know, what we're looking at going into the regular season and what rosters look like and all that. How do you see the AFC North shaking out? Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers. Like that, I think that's the order for this year. And I think I, I always say that because those I don't I'm not overly confident in those first eleven games. I predicted four and seven in, in our piece in those in those first eleven games. It's it's week by week. They might come out and and, and overshoot what they should and maybe do do go six and five or something like those in the first eleven. But I just don't see that happening. I think they go four and seven. Uh, Watson comes in, they go four and two, and expecting him to come in, like Fred said. At 100%, that top five EPA kind of quarterback, that shouldn't be the expectation. You know, the guy at that point almost hadn't played for two years. So I see that the Ravens taking the crown, Bengals sticking in the playoffs, Browns narrowly miss out the playoffs at 8-9, and Steelers finished last uh, for the AFC North for 2022. You mean the Mitch Trubisky has been named the starting quarterback, Pittsburgh Steelers? And Mason Rudolph as the backup, I might add as well. But that's Ooh. not going to actually happen. There's no way they're tossing him out there before Kenny Pickett Pittsburgh's uh, on yeah. fire. Yeah, right. Watch them with like watch them with like eleven freaking games or something, right? Yeah. You know, and, and just pull it out. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Fred, Fred, exactly. what about you? What about your prediction for the AFC North? Well, that's what I had too. I think the Bengals have a big bullseye on them. I think I can't take anything away from them, but I don't think that defense is as good as the way it was last year. I see the Ravens, who that was your mulligan year. They were down with all them injuries, and I see them, you know, winning the division. And the Bengals second, the Browns third, and the Steelers fourth. And so, I, great minds, buddy. Great minds. Cool. Let me throw my mind in there. <laughs> Hold on. Let me throw my mind because I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna switch it up. I do agree. I think the I think the, I look out for the Ravens this year. In my opinion, if they could stay healthy and they get J.K. Dobbins back on the field soon, and they get Gus Edwards to find the field soon, look out for the Baltimore Ravens because I think they're very talented. And uh, when you get Lamar Jackson playing, it's a, he's a difference maker. He's a difference maker. So I think the Ravens are going to be on a warpath this year, but I'm going to put the Browns second. I think the Browns are, are going to hang on. I think, I think I'm going to go with that six and five uh, for the Browns uh, with, with Jacoby Brissett. And I do think Deshaun Watson makes that big of a difference. So I'm going to put them in second. And I don't, it, it's not that I think the Bengals aren't going to be good. I just think, like you said, Cody, there's a bullseye there. When you go to the Super Bowl, there's a bullseye there. And I think there's going to continue to be one. And, and, and I don't care who's right or wrong here as long as we all have the Steelers in last place. That's what I care about. Uh, all right, lastly, real quick, guys. Again, we've, we've watched. We've looked around. We've seen uh, the other teams. We've seen the moves that have been made. We know what's going on. So, Cody, send it back to you real quick. 
two te- who, what two teams are in the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I hate to say it. I know the Bills are the favorite. I'm going Ravens Bucks. I think those are the two Super Bowl teams. And I think, I, unfortunately, I think I think I think Brady gets his last one. I think he's done after this year. That's my opinion. That's fair. Uh, uh, Fred. Yeah, I think the Rams will get back there, and I think they'll play the Chiefs. You know, I, everybody's counting the Chiefs out, but I think they're still a pretty good team. Whoever comes out of that West, but I think the Chiefs right now would be there, and I and I think they're they're poised to knock off the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's I, my I, September third, fourth, fifth, whatever it is. You, what day is it? Where am I? Uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think you know. I I think I think uh, I especially with the Rams. I think that I think last year was like their first year of being really good, and I think they've got the inside track. The NFC is okay. But I think the Rams are really good. I, I'm going to give it to the Bills, though. I think the Bills are going to be awesome. I think the Bills are going to be spectacular. And Cody, I think to see it. Would love to see the Bills win. I think this is going to be the first it. year that we notice a little bit of a decline in Tom Brady. I think it's going to be the year. I'm going to go out on a limb. I've been wrong for 26 straight years saying that, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. Uh, all right, boys. Listen, I know we've run a little bit over on time. Again, we're running a new system here, so it's kind of hard to watch the clock and all that. We will improve upon that. Uh, but the Monday rewind is more like the Monday fast forward here, but we got stuff leading up to the Browns game on Sunday. We got stuff every day this week. So make sure you check out Jake tomorrow uh, uh, on his show at seven o'clock here on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook or wherever you're watching. We got the garage beers podcast. If you need a little Browns break, which we know you don't, but we're going to give you a little Browns break because we're going to be talking the Buckeyes win over Notre Dame. And uh, we've got a special guest from the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Justin Rowan, to talk about the Cavaliers acquiring Donovan Mitchell, which is ridiculous. We're going to talk about that uh, tomorrow night at nine o'clock on the Garage Beers podcast. We got Fred and Barry on Wednesday. We have got uh, Jake and Andrew back in on Ask the OBR on Thursday. And I think that's going to be the preview show now. So I don't know what we're calling that, but I'll, I'll get there. I'll learn. And then Sunday for sure, Browns pregame. You've got Jake doing his thing during the game, uh, and you've got uh, uh, you've got the post game show here on the OBR. It is all Browns all the time, with a little exception for us. But it is the best Browns coverage you are going to get. So make sure you are tuned in and subscribed to all of that, and make sure you are subscribed to the website as well, where you've got like guys like Fred and Cody that are putting stuff up left and right. Uh, and, and just doing awesome work as well as the rest of the OBR guys that they trust to write, unlike me. Uh, so that's going to do it for us here uh, tonight. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Cody, Fred, thank you so much for joining with me, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys as the season goes on. But, uh, hey, for the last time, the, this is the last preseason Browns Monday. Uh, so next week, I'm so excited to talk about a Browns game. Uh, so for the last time, hey, why don't you say go Browns? Oh, he's too shy. All right, go. (laughs) Guys, we'll see you later. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, and uh, go Browns.